The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Valeen Shah, your facilitator for I Love Braille, welcoming you on August the 17th, 2023. This event is sponsored by the East Bay Center for the Blind and supported by American Council of the Blind. As you all know, that's been going on for long. So we know that it's an East Bay Center for the Blind's program and it is strongly supported by the nationwide organization, American Council of the Blind. Well, friends, let me first check our guest speaker is here or not. There are some new phone numbers if he joins. By chance, are you here, John Oliveira? Please unmute yourself and speak up. We don't see that name here, right, Abraham? Uh, no. Okay, great. All right. So, unfortunately, it seems our guest speaker has some issue. I confirmed via email that he will be with us, and I reminded him. Uh, but it looks there is some issue. Whether uh, he is uh, busy or. He has some other commitment that unprecedented maybe, but anyway. All right, so today actually we do a poll star, which means normally one of the participants shares his or her story concerning Braille, particularly how he or she learned Braille and how he or she is using it. And that is one of the things that John Oliveira was going to share with us. He is not a regular participant, or in fact, he never attended our I Love Braille, but he is a staunch supporter of Braille, and I was impressed by his uh, association and his initiatives, so I thought he will be the right person, and hopefully he will join us later. But anyway, if not, we can have some other activity in the meantime. So first and foremost, let's see who would like to share his or her story with learning and using Braille. Raise your hand. If there are more hands up, I may choose who to call first. I, I reserve that right for today. Normally, I don't disappoint any participant who raises hand. All right, so let's see who would like to do that. Aha. Uh -huh. We have well, Kathy. Kathy, you made it so easy for me because oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Our guest speaker is here. So Kathy, you may share your story a little later, or maybe sometimes. Some months later, okay? All right. Hi, John. How are you? 
you more you may want to unmute yourself first uh let's see john you are on a computer or okay i am unmuted good morning everybody good morning how are you john i'm vilin shah you remember my voice correct yes sir hi thank you i already introduced you and we were waiting for you and then uh, we were about to get started with some other activity until you would join but i'm glad you joined most welcome uh, by the way friends john is the president of i i, I wrote it in the announcement uh, association of blind citizens so i was going to say that he's the president of abc but then i thought you may misunderstand abc as the channel and i wish he could be the president of tv channel called abc that's a great thing but anyway that's association of blind citizens here we go john you would uh all right please. thank you very much good morning everyone and uh thanks for uh having me on and taking time to listen in and we're talking about braille which is uh, a very important skill for individuals who are blind um, i started learning braille probably when i was maybe in the first grade and used it uh, through all of my uh, schooling um the obviously um through 12th grade uh had majority of my books uh, in braille uh particularly helpful um uh, sorry the computer still giving me a lot of email here so the uh most of my um books uh were in braille as i said and particularly helpful was the I took a uh, foreign language in high school and that was very handy to have uh, the text in French. It made it a lot easier for me to learn how to spell some of the French uh, words we were writing and that sort of thing. Uh, also, it's particularly helpful when you are in doing math. Um, whether it's you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, all that stuff, it, it becomes even more helpful and essential when you're in high school and you're doing algebra and geometry and in some cases even calculus. Um, so <clears throat> it's a uh, Nemeth code was important to know and learn. Um, and and so it it made life in school a lot easier for me. Um, they started teaching me how to type on a on a typewriter in in fourth grade. So um, and then by sixth grade, I had to turn all my assignments in as typed documents. So it was okay. Uh, I still used Braille. Um, I used Braille to take notes in class. I used Braille to write the first draft of my paper and then after i was happy with what i had in braille then i would retype the paper um, and turn it into the teachers so um, it became very very useful um, as uh, as someone who uh, could uh, could participate in class i remember in, in elementary school 
you know, how they went around the room and each they they would ask you to read a certain section of the of the reading assignment, the path, the whatever book we might have been reading, whatever lesson we were doing. And uh, because the books were in Braille, I was able to participate in that and also read out loud with the rest uh, when my turn came up. So um, because I practiced, uh, the reading speed was fairly uh, close to anyone who was reading sighted. Uh, and using the same books allowed me to, you know, participate in the class during class time. It uh, also allowed me to, to read and, and, and uh, for pleasure. Uh, got a lot of books from the um, Braille and Talking Book Library and uh, <clears throat> started getting some magazines and that sort of thing. So that became, uh, again, became very handy as a recreation, as educational. Um, and in college, you know, the use of Braille, uh, as far as reading it from textbooks, was... Um, I uh, reduced. I didn't have any Braille textbooks in college. Uh, there were either audio um, or uh, live readers would read them. Sometimes I'd have them record it if I wasn't able to meet with them at that particular time. And then I would listen to them later. But I continued to use Braille in my classroom. Uh, every class I went to in college, I brought the Perkins Braille with me and took notes in Braille. Um, and then, and this was in the, uh, in the early 80s. And then um, as computers started rolling out, uh, I started using the Apple IIe. And that became first couple of years, uh, two, three years, I was still typing uh, paper. Uh, papers and turn into the professors. And then uh, as the Apple computer came on the market, um, more and more of us students were using the computer and I was able to use the Apple IIe uh, and type my papers there. So, um, but I would still, again, take my notes and a lot of times just do an initial draft and sort of um, type that and then because we were able to edit on the computer, then I could just edit and it wouldn't have to be the finished copy. I, I could work on the finished copy and make that the finished copy uh, using the computer. So I got it. I got through uh, college and, and uh, graduate school, uh, you know, still relying on Braille. Uh, and then I had a job as a rehabilitation teacher uh, at the uh, Commission for the Blind, and uh, I taught people Braille adults that wanted to learn Braille. And again, some some adults just wanted it to, enough so that they could take down phone numbers and simple messages for themselves with a slate and stylus. Others wanted a little more, wanted to read um, short documents. So we spent a little more time. I remember I had a, a woman, uh, she lived in an elderly housing, so probably was in her 70s, and she had lost, was losing her vision, and she could no longer read playing cards. So I taught her just enough Braille to read the deck of cards. 
and so that she was able to continue participating with the Braille deck of cards with her uh, folks down in the in the recreation room. So uh, Braille is an ex extremely important skill to have. <clears throat> I would always recommend someone if if you're not able to read print anymore, if you have the ability or the capacity or the desire to learn how to read Braille, I think that's definitely something that should be done. And it can be, you know, it, it can be tailored to learn enough just to do a specific task, like the lady that knew, uh, wanted just to know enough to read the Braille deck of cards or the individuals that want to know just enough so they can take messages for themselves. <clears throat> and uh, it is, um, you know, that's that's the importance I, I, I say that uh, Braille can bring. And it also brings you a lot of freedom. Uh, I use it now when I, when I, you know, I use it every day, actually. But even to, there's a Braille sitting on my desk now. And... If I, I, have, and I have a computer sitting here and if I'm on the phone with someone and all of a sudden they say, here's their phone number, I might just bang out it. I, I, I'll put it out on, 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 the, on, the, on the brailler uh, because it's there. I don't have to boot it up. I don't have to open a, a, you know, a document to put it in. It has a sheet of paper in it all the time. I just write out real quick and then I, I put it where it needs to go um, on the computer or whatever in my calendar. <clears throat> in my uh, contact folder um, so uh, later. So it, it, it is constantly useful um, with, with the, the Braille displays that are being offered now by, by National Library Services. It's very useful to read books. Um, and, you know, you can t continue to get uh, Braille books on paper and, uh, and continue with that. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think that my quality of life would have certainly been impacted if I hadn't learned Braille. But fortunately, I had a, and this is a big, big uh, topic today. Um, I had a very, very strong, uh, dedicated um, teacher of the visually impaired who believed and knew Braille well and love teaching it and um you you need to find that if you're especially if you're a child and you're going to learn you need that support of someone who's knowledgeable who's patient who picks on you about your your how you place your hands on the page and and sort of makes you be as as good as possible um, with all the instruction and, and providing different uh, advice uh, on how to read Braille. Um, it's important that you have a good, good reading style, that your hands are moving appropriately uh, if you're looking to gain speed. Um, you know, if you're just looking to read a quick note or that sort of thing, then that may or may not. But Someone who starts reading Braille with one finger, uh, that's never going to go too far. Although it can be functional in, a, in an emergency situation or in a situation where you just want to read a phone number or a couple of words, uh, 
that gets the job done. But to really be efficient uh, and use it in many, many situations, um, I think that it really is uh, uh, appropriate to learn the proper way to read Braille. Um, unless, you know, physical issues prevent you from learning it. Uh, individuals who are diabetics would have to probably read, learn how to use jumbo braille, uh, larger dots than standard braille. Uh, musicians uh, would have to learn how to use, read music braille, and that would come at some point, and, um, but that would be very helpful. I'm sure it would be. Um, at least to read the music and get it in your head and and not that you can read the music while you're playing um, because your hands will be busy playing and not able to read the music but i'm sure as as anything else if you read something and you read it over and over again or you're trying to memorize uh, the music um, notes and chords and all that that it would be extremely uh, important for you to be able to read it and then commit it to memory while you play or read it and record it yourself and then listen to yourself uh, while you're playing uh, the instrument. So um, that's uh, pretty much uh, uh, what I uh, my experience has been. If there's any questions, I'd be I sure. welcome them. Thank you so much, John. A couple of questions I have before we allow participants to raise their hands. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you were getting Braille books, most of uh, your courses at school. Who took the responsibility to provide those Braille books? Did the school do, or was there some association, or how did you now, get so, them? Yeah. So here in, here in Massachusetts and, and across the country, mm -hmm. um, there's uh, libraries that serve students who are blind mm -hmm. and um, and they the teachers of the visually impaired are primarily the main con contacts and American Printing House has a big involvement in that okay uh, uh -huh. out of Louisville um, they pay for a lot of the books to be produced mm -hmm. in large print for those who can use large print and in Braille Mm -hmm. uh, and the school systems, in some cases, pay um, pay to to have some books done, but a, a large chunk of that money comes from the American Printing House to provide um, Braille book mm -hmm. access mm -hmm. across the country mm -hmm. to children who are in K through twelve. Um, and so, like I said, each great. Each state now you mentioned that there is a library. Is that part of Perkins School for the Blind, <clears> or is independent? Uh, it's independent. Independent. It's a it's a okay. separate program. Uh, uh, the Braille and Talking Book Library uh, in Massachusetts it's at Perkins, but in other states it's the same library that sends you talking books. That's oh that one. Okay, okay. That's okay. more for we, we call it more for pleasure regional reading. library or co-op. Yeah, the regional yeah. library. That it's, one. Okay, okay. Pleasure. Right. But the, this special um, materials library for <laughs> students who are blind yes. in, in, the, in the state uh, is a separate program from that and is funded differently 
and it's funded through the Department of Education and yes. uh, through the big grant that American Printing House has. Got it. Okay. Uh, one quick small question before we have so many people who have raised their hands. Uh, you mentioned that you were taking notes in class. I also did that. Therefore, I'm a little curious. Did you use a slate and stylus or a brailler? And if you use a braille oh, writer, I, that, I that would the, make sound. No that's you. okay. Uh, uh, I used the Perkins brailler. Oh, did you? Uh -huh. Yeah. And I, wow. I, did, I did what I could to mm -hmm. silence the to to minimize the sound yeah i had one of those those hard uh braille uh, braille writer cases mm -hmm. the new ones are are soft but this was a one that's back in the in the 80s 80s it was a pretty much hard shell type and so i would i would put the brailler in that i would have a a um mm -hmm. piece of foam mm -hmm. under it so that mm, it yes. would block some of the sound and i would leave the cover up so yes. that it would um, it would block some of the sound from going out. It would it'd muffle into the cover, right? Correct. And Correct. then yeah. and then I also uh, we were able to uh, get a little. I uh, got one of my roommates to help me with this. We I held the brailler. We sort of were able to put a, a little piece of scotch tape on that uh -huh. little that little uh, trigger that that triggers the bell. Uh -huh. So I did. So I didn't get I, the bell wasn't ringing when I was typing when I was uh, brailing away in class. Great, right? And so I well, silenced that, and then yeah. and I was and I knew that you know don't don't bang the heck out of this thing. Use more <laughs> of a medium touch instead of smashing it down so that everybody hear. You know, so correct, correct. Yeah, I, I that did would what help. I could to to sort of minimize the the sound output, and uh, I would not sit in the middle of the classroom. I would sit either. Uh, to the right or or left, far you know, so to an outside row, mm -hmm. or, or I would sit in in uh, in a back row. So depending on the classroom where where I came into, but I wouldn't sit in the middle of uh, that where I'd be surrounded by a ton of students in class. Oh, okay, that makes. So I mean, yes. I, I was sitting in the row. There were people ahead of me, but not. Mm -hmm. I would not sit in the middle so that people would be in the left, right, and front. There would yes. be people behind me or, or to one mm -hmm. side of me, but they, they, would, they wouldn't be all around me. You know what I mean? Hmm. And um, yeah. And I used that same method in in high school. I used the brailler in class too. Yeah. And a couple of and a couple of people did say um, something. Like made a, a couple of students made a comment to me in high school about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. "Oh, that's making noise. It's distracting me." I basically said, "Well, that's how mm -hmm. I I take my notes and." Mm -hmm. uh, that's the way it is. <laughs> right. Great. Okay. Well, they have to bear with it, eh? <laughs> but, but I but I use the same I use the same method in high school. I I had I carry it in a case because I, yes. I would take it from class to class. Got it. Yes. And they gave me I had a locker at school like everybody else does, and uh, and I would put that in my locker at night. Oh, okay. I, so you I don't have to carry. It. Perfect. Yeah. You know. Okay. So. Now. Before we proceed, Lori Kastner is impatiently waiting to ask a question, but I would just tell you that you address the audience of 30 participants, and that includes uh, uh, our own host, Abraham, who is now sitting in South Africa. And then oh. there is a participant from India, Divya Bijur, from Brazil, Luis Pistelli, from Macedonia, Europe, you know Macedonia, of course, ah, being yes. from Portugal. Uh, she's so Adriana. Our, so our, Brazil, and, so uh, our Brazilian, our Brazilian uh, uh -huh. attendee here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yes, okay, I, yeah, that's right. I and also, uh, there I may also be some speak from Portuguese. Canada, which I do not know. So, right. of course, so I also sport. speak Portuguese. Oh, yeah, of course. Como é que vai isso no Brasil? Estou aqui em Boston. A gente pode falar em português, se queres falar em português. So I just oh, sent him a little greeting in Portuguese. Okay, wonderful. Yes. That's All your right. first language, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Right. Okay, friends. Lori, I'm sorry you had to wait, but here you are. Thank you. Welcome to I Love Rail once again, Lori. Uh, am I unmuted now? You are. Yes, you are. Thank you. Um, hi, John. It's really great <laughs> to hear your story. Um, I was about 15 years ahead of you. Uh, and when <laughs> I attended college, um, I took ooh, four or five semesters of French. And um, I had all of my books put into Braille, but they were done by local transcribers. And right. uh, they could hardly keep ahead of me. But, yeah. but I read all of Proust in Braille. And, uh, you know, it was tons of books and tons of volumes. And then in graduate school, I took Middle English. And um, I had a, a friend who actually had the books ahead of me for Chaucer. And, you know, both French and uh, Middle English, I couldn't have managed without Braille because you, right. you don't know how to spell. And especially in Middle English. And I wrote my master's thesis on the on the book of Chaucer's. So, right. you know, I had to copy, type all the Middle English and everything. Uh, but I was very grateful to have those books. The sad thing is that the French books, I, I mean, I had so many. My, my parents built me a big bookcase in our basement to to hold right. them when I was home and um, I had to uh, I donated them to an organization and I thought that would be great but then the organization decided to disband their braille library and those books are all gone and you know other people oh. who could use them mm. have to start from scratch I guess and I mean I think that's very sad that I wish there was some national way or even statewide way to to give books so that they remain because those French books really were invaluable. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate your comments and uh, thank you. Thank uh, you for sharing. Well, fortunately, fortunately, technology is a little bit uh, moved forward today and a lot of those files can be converted a lot quicker to Braille than what they used yes. to be back then. And, and so it, right. it's, it is different and it's a little easier to duplicate them and replicate them these days. But um yeah it was uh you're right it it, it was invaluable to, to for math classes and french you, you you needed those books to 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 do well in in the class there did used to be an organization called the braille book bank it was in new jersey i think and they uh, had master copies of some books and then they would send you a thermoform copy which for those who were much younger was like a duplicate they had big machines that could duplicate those pages on right. plastic pages yeah, using plastic heat uh -huh. yeah and so i mean that that was a real um you know facility but you're right i mean today it is in many ways easier but it, in any case that was my experience in the late 60s yeah Great. Thank you, Glory, for sharing and uh, keep coming to our I Love Braille whenever it's possible for you. Right. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We go to the next. And is that Linda Abraham? Yes, it is. Linda Pai. Linda Pekarski. Thank you. Yes, John, thank you so much for this. It's, it's fascinating to hear how you segued from your brailler to the computer. And I know the Apple IIe, and that was one of the very, very early 
apples. What did yeah. you use for screen reading software? Hmm. It, it, uh, what was it called? Bex? Bex? Um, it, hmm. it was on board. I, I don't remember it. I remember it was five and a quarter inch floppy disks. We God, put those yes. in. Uh, I remember something about Bex, B-E-X. Uh -huh. um, but it was, um, so the schools all were buying Apple. Uh, yeah. And so the Apple IIe, and then there was a, a piece of software that was put in there. Okay. Um, and I, I, that name sticks in my head sometime, but this was back uh, quite a while ago. So, yeah, um, really but no, it was the, it was the, uh, the access point for any blind person to computers. Apple was like the only one that was out there. And then yeah. it became other companies developed other software, uh, window eyes, jaws, yeah. um, vocalize, vocalize. Vocalize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For DOS. And I used that in the DOS environment after I graduated. So, mm -hmm. uh, but Apple IIe was the first, uh, my first exposure and uh, to using, doing things on a computer. Yeah. But you had to buy separate software. It wasn't native to the E. No, the it was not native. No, not at that okay. point. Yeah. No, okay. it, it was a separate piece of a program that you would load in and it would be, uh, it would it, uh, do the speech output. It wasn't written by Apple either, was it? No, no, absolutely not. It was a private, okay. small company, I believe. Great. Thank you. Well, for some people, uh, DOS is something unheard, unknown. Because DOS is no longer used as an operating system. No. What it stand for? Do you know? I forgot. Disk, it. disk, disk operating system. This operating system. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we no longer have even disk. You know, right. disks are we're sitting not, in the cloud nowadays. We're so. no longer using disks. You're right. No. So anyway, all right. Thank you so much. Who is next for us, Abraham? <clears throat> next up Jody? is Rick. 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 Okay, Rick. Hi, Rick. Oh, hi there. Well, I'm. Yeah. Uh, I can't give you near as impressive a story as all that, but um, I came out of the 60s too, and my mother would have killed for resources like that. <laughs> but I did finally get some Braille books in junior and senior high school. One of the things I ran into, I don't know about you, John, was in uh, one of my literature classes, they had the class had the Olympic. Um, edition of the book and they gave me a braille version of the laureate edition which was had about half of the same material and half not and when it did have the same stuff it was in a different place in the book so while the teacher was kind of going from a to b to c to d uh the laureate edition would be skipping around volume two volume seven volume one volume nine volume six and so it was very difficult to have well, what, what tended to happen was teachers say, okay, you guys have the, the last half hour of class to study. And like as not, I didn't have the right stuff. So that was a royal pain in the butt. Um, in algebra and geometry, I did not have a Braille book. And that presented difficulties. That Finally, in 10th much, grade, yeah, I had a, an advanced algebra book, and I was jumping up and down. I've got my own math book. <laughs> and it, was, yeah. it was wonderful. Yes, Nemeth code was absolutely great. Um, yeah. UEB does have its own math notation, but it's, I'm sorry, it's a lot clunkier from what I've seen of it. Um, 
So yes, you can still use Nemesis if you have um, a special symbol at the beginning to say, here comes Nemus, and then another symbol at the end saying, okay, back to standard text. You can do that, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I took some so, German, and I'm glad I took German because spellings are much more regular. French, there'd have been absolutely no hope in Braille without Braille. Uh, German spellings are almost always predictable. So the fact that I had mine on tape was great because uh, the gal was an honest-to-God German, so he knew how to say things. But um, French is even worse than English when it comes to spelling, So, and that's that's saying something. So, yeah, I'm sure glad you had that in Braille. I would have needed it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, we just did not have those kind of resources. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and that's really clever the way you came up with ways to muffle your Braille. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I'll let somebody else on. Over. Mm-hmm. Well, despite all that, Rick, you managed to get your education. Right? Yeah. I'm sorry, Blaine, what did you say? I said, despite all the barriers, you still continue to get your education and you manage to earn a degree. Uh, I managed. Um, I I was not exactly a cum loud mouth out of college, but uh, I survived. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. All that's I got good. was a bachelor's and that's all it's going to be. So there we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And we go to next. Next up Jody. is Jody. Jody. Yes, hello, John. This is Jody, and and my friend Linda and I are both neighbors. We're up in New Hampshire, and uh, I remember uh, back in the '80s having a TRS-80 with 48k of memory and a speech synthesizer, and software from the University of Illinois that had been developed by the Navy. So that was my first experience with with speech. I unfortunately had low vision when I was a kid and never learned Braille till I was 65 and didn't and <laughs> finish college so you know i i do envy that experience um in a way if my vision had been worse i think it would have done better because i would have had uh, more opportunities but uh the the uh, thank you for your presentation and i really appreciate it but the comment i was going to make is i think everybody would really enjoy hearing what your job is and also more about the association for blind citizens okay yeah Maybe you want to tell us a little more about Association of Blind Citizens, John. Yeah, and, right. and your job, because I think everybody would job. be blown away. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Um, so the Association of Blind Citizens is an organization I started about 23 years ago. And uh, a group of friends and I got together and just, uh, you know, there's the NFB and the, and the American Council of the Blind. and, and we were members of both of them, um, but we wanted to do something a little different, um, which was to do more activity-based stuff, not advocacy, not other things like that. Although we did, did so we, we started the, the organization back in, in uh, like I said, 23 years ago, and the so the, one of the first activities we did is we had a, uh, a uh, picnic at a, a local park just outside of Boston. And, um, you know, uh, probably 30, 40 people showed up and we sat around and I had, uh, we had a caterer come in and bring sandwiches and that kind of stuff. And then we, uh, 
we talked about the activities that we wanted to do. So, and uh, for a while, for a bunch of years, we did day trips uh, and weekend trips um, and uh, places like Newport, where we got to go behind the, the rope set at the, at the mansions and touch things that people weren't allowed to touch and that sort of thing. Um, and we did many trips up to New Hampshire and uh, visit different areas. So um, we uh, also that same day, uh, someone mentioned beep baseball. And so we, uh, I'd had a beep baseball and I'd played beep baseball at a, at a camp uh, for the blind when I was a kid. So we said, well, let's, let's get a, let's get this beep baseball and some bats and we'll uh, get some bases and we'll, we'll start we'll get together and just play a little baseball game and then go have some pizza and beer after the game. So that was what the intent was. Um, so we started the following year and we got together a few Saturdays uh, at a local park just outside of Boston in Brookline. And um, then we learned that there was an, a national beat baseball association and that teams played um, this on a competitive level. So we had a variety of different folks that would come. Some were young and athletic, others were older and was just looking for the social aspect and would play a little, would, wouldn't mind running down the first or third baseline. Um, so we started that. And then uh, at the end of that year, then we decided that the following year, 2002, that the, 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 we would have more of a, a, a competitive focus. And so um, the folks that were doing it for recreation uh, just continued to do our trips and uh, we have a social uh, event every every summer. We just had that at a restaurant. We buy everybody lunch and we, we do trivia. And we have a, a holiday Christmas party that we do every year. Um, so the, the, those are the social events. So the, the, so the team became an athletic team and we've been playing uh, nationally ever since. Uh, this year we just uh, participated in the World Series and we finished fifth in the country. Uh, in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, but we, we've traveled every year. Um, we have about 25 to 30 volunteers that work with the team as coaches, as trainers, as uh, massage therapists, um, but they're, they're um, very competitive and we've, uh, we've kept that going since then. And uh, ABC for a while, we, uh, we did give out scholarships, but we, we stopped that other organizations give out scholarships too so we we didn't we didn't do that uh, we decided to, to drop that um, and then we also um, we also have an assistive technology fund that we assist people we're in the process of awarding uh, grants to help 50% uh, of, a, of a cost of a adaptive product that people can can uh, apply for and if we if they're selected then we would support um, them with, uh, we actually pay the company that they buy the product from, and then they have to pay for the other half. Uh, so, um, what else? Oh yeah, we run camps for blind kids. That's right. Um, so we, uh, in 2007, we started running a week long camp for blind children up in New Hampshire. Uh, 
I'm not sure if you ever heard of the name uh, Camp Pride up near Lake Winnipesaukee, uh, Jody. Um, so we mm -hmm. use that. We use that for a while. Oh yes, definitely. Okay, <laughs> so we use that for, uh, facility for a while. We used to go there for a week and and host a camp for the blind. And then in 2017, we uh, switched uh, to a different model, and we've been doing weekend models um, for kids 12 to 16. We do about three or four a year. Uh, and we use uh, Dover, New Hampshire as the location. Uh, we use a hotel. Um, so it's more of a, a, a better style of camping, uh, in my opinion, from my age at this point. Uh, I can sleep in a nice, comfortable bed and not have to sleep at a, at a camp uh, bed. Um, so, um, but we have um, all kinds of different activities. We do uh, a technology camp for the weekend. We'll have different themes. Uh, we've done origami, we, we do bowling, we do um, uh, music, uh, we, uh, what else have we done? We, we do self-defense, we do uh, uh, different types of um, uh, sort of music. Uh, music technology are the main things, but we, we take the kids out to restaurants, so we do everything in the community. So it's more of a community experience that we're, we're looking for. We have kids use their canes and use their mobility skills. We have kids use their iPhones to read the restaurant menu that we go to so that they can select what they want. Um, we, have, we, we, we have scavenger hunts at the hotel um, and we'll, we'll hide things or, uh, and then they have to go find them based on instructions that we give them. Uh, we've done uh, bike riding at the camp. We've done horseback riding. We, we go to different locations. Uh, bowling. I, we're going to do archery at the next camp up in, uh, in October. And uh, we use the folks up at the, at the college there in, uh, in New Hampshire to help us out. Um, uh, they provide interns, um, that sort of thing. So that's, um, mm -hmm. that's pretty much... That's Pretty much it. I do, I do a yeah. radio show. I do, we do a radio show called In Focus that appears on our website. The website is blindcitizens.org. So that's my that's my volunteer part of my life. Oh, that's just terrific. And uh, that tells that recreation is also equally important for blind and visually impaired individuals yeah. as much as education and other things are. And you are providing that support. So mm -hmm. normally, how many children participate, ranging from? We have the ages of 12 to 16. We, we keep it at about between 8 and 10. Uh, we want to have a small group. We want them to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and plus, every, everybody that goes on these trips, again, a volunteer, we don't charge the parents. Uh, wow. I, I, I apply for grants. We get grants and we pay for the hotel rooms, the van rentals. We pay for transportation to and from the camp. Uh, those in New Hampshire, their parents drop them off and pick them up. The ones from Massachusetts, we bring up in a, in a, uh, a rented van with a driver. Um, so, uh, wow. and all the food and expenses we, we pay for. So it's, it's free to the parents. Right. That's just great. All right. Thank you, John. And let's see uh, if more people have questions. But I don't see any hand raised. Okay. But I'm pretty sure there are people who are a little hesitant 
So do not feel shy. No question is dumb. Please raise your hand and learn more from John Oliveira when he's with us. Hello. Yes. Who is this? Um, my name is Paulette Delaney. Uh-huh. Um, I'm called I wanna know, um, can anybody join that um um ABC? Yeah, wh where are you calling from? Um, I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you don't have to join, but yeah, you can go to blindcitizens.org and then there's, there's a join. We don't charge anything to join. We put you on our email list. And if we were to do something in Philadelphia, like a, for years ago, we used to do a, a holiday party along with a Boston party uh, for the holidays. We used to do a holiday party in Washington, D.C. Um, I knew a lot of had a lot of friends in D.C. and they said, why don't you do that here? No one's doing it. Uh, the gentleman that had been doing a party for the blind had passed away. So we did it for a number of years in, in uh, just outside of Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, but um, yeah, you can certainly join. Uh, you can go to the website. You can listen to our, our In Focus radio show. Just click on that. And that uh -huh. just downloads. You can uh, listen to that on your computer. Um, uh, so we talked to all number? kinds of different people there. Mm -hmm. Do you have a phone number? I don't. I don't have a computer. Uh, we have a phone number, but we're all volunteer. You basically are going to get a voicemail if you call, and if you don't okay. have email, that's that's how no. we communicate. That's how we communicate with folks. Email. We don't. We don't mail things out uh, or that sort of thing. People have to sort of interact with the website. Oh, great. So, yeah, you can still share your phone number and people can leave a voicemail. Sure. And then, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 781-961-1023. Uh, oh, let's go slow. 781-961-1023. Yep. Okay. Okay. 1023. Yep. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right, anybody else who would like to ask a question, feel free to raise your hand or come on the floor. Dorothy, yeah, here comes Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. Hi, you are unmuted. Very John, good. Go John, ahead. thank you so much for coming and talking to us. You are such a delight to hear. Um, I, I'm one of the weird ones. Uh, I worked at the medical school for 18 years. So I'm interested in knowing, um, what caused your blindness over? I have a, um, I have a retina issue. Um, so, um, it's one of those retinal dise diseases that are very rare and, um, they really don't know uh what it is other than the retina is not working and uh they say it could be a variety of stuff and it could be genetic i'm the only one in my family who has it no one else in my cousins or anybody else like that have it so it's something very rare and they um pretty much uh say that it's um it's not that common so 
Very interesting. Uh, so you've not done the DNA test. Uh, I will tell you, there's a, a research that they're doing. And so I got mine done, it's free. So uh, it, it wasn't dominant in uh, my mother and my father, but I have retinitis pigmentosa. And as you probably already know, it's it can be like one of 20 things. It can be several of them or so on. So, but thank you for sharing today. You're, mm -hmm. you're very accomplished and I, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Estelle, Colorado. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the presentation and telling us about your, your life story with Braille. I'm curious to know uh, when you have your social activities like the camp or the restaurants, do you use mostly technology like refreshable Braille or uh, are the the people you're working with using hard copy Braille and uh, how much is Braille involved in all the activities you do? Thank you. Good question. So we, so we hire um, a technology company that comes in. She works with kids in, in the school system. So it depends on the number, the kids that I have at, at the camp. So most kids have some usable vision and most kids are using iPads or iPhones. Um, some have access to Braille, but I think it's only a very small number. Um, and so she will, uh, I will give her that information before and then she tails, tailors the program. So we don't supply the equipment at the camp. If, if we do a, a technology camp, the, the student has to bring their own. Um, in some cases with the iPads, if, she, if she's teaching on how to use certain applications, she has extras and she'll bring and supply an iPad to those kids who don't have it. So yeah, Braille is, and then she'll show them how to use large print, uh, how to magnify things and that sort of thing. Um, and they'll, she'll use certain applications that they are using in school that they are familiar with that I'm not that familiar with, but it's, uh, they, they seem to understand it and, and know it rather well. So, um, it, yeah, I would say Braille is uh, hard copy Braille paper is, is not, I've not seen her bring any in. Uh, there was a, a gentleman, a, a young man that did bring in his Braille, uh, display and was using it with uh, interacting with the, uh, the iPad with Braille. Um, but the majority were using audio or in some cases, audio and large print together. When you play baseball, do you use sighted guides or do you have ropes that go from one base to the next? How do they know <laughs> how to get to the bases? No, they don't, we don't have ropes. and We don't use sighted guides. No. Uh, uh -huh. Every every player has to wear a blindfold, uh -huh. so that they can't use any remaining vision. Mm -hmm. So all the players are in the field, or when they're at bat or running, they have to have a, the blindfold on, and they will run by just listening for the sound of the of the bass. And some of them are very very fast; others are a little slower, but. You get used to running in the practices we have with the team. 
they they have drills that all they do is run back and forth towards that sound so they get used to um the tuning in or 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 uh you know sort of uh focusing on that sound so that they're running towards it um uh, when someone hits the ball uh, if there's anybody watching everyone is told you know they, 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 we tell them at the beginning of the games that you're to be quiet because the 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 players trying to listen for the for the base and the players in the field are trying to listen for the beep baseball that's beeping when it's rolling around out towards them so, so does each base have a different sound that it uh, has so they know which base they're running to okay so so the, the game has been modified a little bit um, you're right in asking that question but in beep baseball only first base and third base exist and instead so. of being instead of being 90 feet from home plate they both a hundred feet from home plate and when you hit the ball you have to listen because the base operator turns on one base so you you may go to first or you may go to third so you have to listen and then you run to that base and if you get there before the ball is field it counts as a run so you don't go from first to second to third you're just really running one 100 uh, feet a 100 foot distance okay oh wow. thank you very much yeah Great. so there's there's uh because if it, otherwise there's players in the middle of the field and if people would be charging towards the ball uh the players are instructed in the field that when they're running that they're saying moving moving so that the other players and then we break up the field into into different zones and so there's a, a sighted spotter that when the sees where the ball is hit and they may call five and that gives the people in the five zone an idea that those are the ones that are moving the other guys don't don't not everybody's piling into that area so that you cover a certain section of the field so that that avoids mm -hmm. collisions that's really interesting it took a lot of creativity to figure that all that out that's yeah, great thank you very much yeah, the yeah. ball the ball was developed in the nineteen in the early nineteen seventies by workers of the telephone pioneers, and uh, and then from that point on, different people who have played it have developed the rules, and then so that what I mentioned, the National Beep Baseball Association, is mm -hmm. the one that develops the rules and provides the umpires for the for the uh, World Series tournament, and has the umpire rules and all that sort of stuff. So. All the teams we belong to it uh we pay them a small 25 dollars annual fee and then um the the rules and all the information is up there um so if anybody is interested we uh, uh for the lady in philadelphia there is a beat baseball team in philadelphia um they, they're pretty good uh so if, if you want to know more about beatball nbba.org that's where all the teams are listed uh, our boston team is called the boston renegades Interesting. Now, two of your neighbors are uh, ready to ask you questions. Uh, so, but one quick question I hour. have. Yeah. One quick question you... I have is about umpire. Are your umpires cited? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The umpires yes. cited. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. The umpires are cited. The pitcher is yeah. cited and the catcher is cited. Oh, the oh pitch, okay. The, the pitcher is a volunteer and they, they're each team uses their own pitcher. We don't have opposing pitchers 
pitching to us because the idea okay. of the game is not to strike you out, is actually to let you hit the ball so that the fielders can field and the runners can and, and you can run. So yeah, our, our own pitches and if the ball if the ball hits the pitcher, then the pitcher can't catch or can't make a play. Their job is to get out of the way if the ball's hit towards them. But if it hits them, it's called a dead ball and the batter has a has a brand new a brand new count. Mm-hmm. So they Great. start over okay. again. Interesting. Um, Pelin, now, Jody and Linda. So Jody, Pelin, you, yes. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that we are three about three minutes to the hour. Okay, three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we're almost. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they'll be brief. Yes, Jody. <laughs> yes, uh, John. I wondered if you could describe how you use your Braille at work, and does using Braille at work? Do you think that you're promoting Braille in the process for people that aren't that familiar with it? Well, the use at work, I, I, it's in my office right now. I mean, I, yes, when, when I talk in public, when I make speeches, I have Braille uh, notes in front of me. Um, I was at the State House not long ago and made a, a, a talk up there, and I um, use Braille uh, notes in front of me, um, hard copy uh, Braille notes. Um, and so, um, yeah, so... It, it, I think it shows when I, when I go to meetings, sometimes I do bring, bring notes. Um, so therefore, yeah, but by using Braille publicly, obviously by using it, you are promoting it, uh, yes. and how useful and how effective Well, you it do, is. you do That's have a high sure. profile job. I wish you'd, you'd tell everybody what you do. Oh, I, well, I, I started to, and I said that was part of my volunteer life, the association of blind citizens, but, but in my public life, I'm a, I'm currently the acting commissioner at the Commission for the Blind in Massachusetts. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's awesome. In the meantime, I think Linda dropped, but Luis is there to ask a question. And we are trying to end this session. So, Luis, go ahead, please. Now, Luis is in Brazil now. Oh. Luis, where are you? He can speak Portuguese. Uh-oh. We are not okay, to... can you hear me? Ah, here we go. Yes. Yeah, Okay. I have no questions. I'm in, uh, just to send uh, greetings to João for your presentation and for your work. Very good, John. All right. Uh, very good work. Congrat congratulations from Brazil. All right. Thank you, thank you. How do you say it in Portuguese? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, John, for taking time and sharing your story, answering questions from participants. You took pains to do all this. So I appreciate it. Right. And Take thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for joining today. And don't forget to log in for I Love Braille next Thursday at 9 o'clock. We are going to have some Braille fun activities. So with that, I wish you all a good week ahead and good weekend. And uh, we'll be back a week from tomorrow, today. So take it easy. Thank you. Take care and have a good day. Bye now.